It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV, and right here on the Locked on LSU podcast. Finally, Friday is here. Tomorrow is game day. I will get you an LSU Texas pick before we get out of here today. Uh, You will hear from ESPN College Game Day's Reese Davis, who not only will be uh, hosting game day from Austin on Saturday, but also on the call for ABC primetime football with uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Chris Fowler is uh, calling the U.S. Open, so Herbie and Reese Davis on the call for LSU in Texas. But we'll start here, though, with uh, a look from the other sideline. Chip Brown, Horns 247, a preeminent uh, Texas beat writer, uh, had a chance to talk with him, not only to break down the Longhorns, but also the scene in Austin, which is where we started as LSU fans have descended upon Texas's capital. I mean, it's insane. This could be the most attended Texas football game in the program's history. We're talking about 100-plus years because every Cajun with a car is trying to get to this game, whether they have a ticket or not. And I'm hearing there could be as many as 30,000 LSU fans in the stadium at kickoff, which is insane to me, but that's what my secondary ticket market people are, are saying. And that's insane. I mean... That tells me, A, that the price was so big that Texas fans were willing to sell their uh, tickets to this game to pay for their entire season ticket package. And B, LSU fans can't wait to get a piece of Texas. They're confident. They're buying the tickets. They think it's Tiger Nation coming to have, you know, snack time on some Bevo steaks and that's usually when the craziness happens. Tom Herman, 13-2-1 against the spread as an underdog. Um, I mean, this is a great spot to be Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger. I mean, that line's still going up, right? It's six and a half now? Yeah. Open at four? I mean, the LSU money is pouring in. The sharp money will come in tomorrow at some point, and the line, I think, will start to go back down because the sharps are going to buy Texas. It's 6.5. Can you put into perspective 30,000 LSU fans getting into that stadium? Like, I know I know Texas hosted Ohio State a few years back, for example, when that happened. Like, And that was 10,000 Buckeyes in the stadium. We're talking about triple that number. That's insane. I mean, 30,000 is enough to make a lot of noise in that stadium, and that's, that's beyond belief for me. I've covered Texas 27 years. There's never been a, an opposing team presence like that. Um, Ohio State was the biggest. And if there are 30,000 LSU fans in there, you're going to feel that. Mm. It, that'll start to feel more like the Cotton Bowl when Texas and OU split the, you know, split the house at the 50. Chip Brown's with us. He's on Twitter at ChipBrown247, Horns247.com. You brought up Sam Ellinger, Tom Herman. That offense is super intriguing. A lot of people around here feel like LSU's defense will be the best defense that that combo has faced together. Is that a fair assessment that what that Texas offense is going to face in LSU on Saturday they haven't quite seen yet? For sure. I mean, LSU's defense is a year ahead of Texas's defense. I think it would not shock me if LSU won this game Saturday and Texas goes to Baton Rouge and wins because LSU will be replacing Joe Burrow, you know, Grant Delpit most likely, probably the two corners, and Texas will have all the, the veterans in that game. 
But I'll tell you what, Joe Burrow, Sam Ellinger, they're mirror images of each other. Tom Herman calling plays against his former college teammate, Dave Aranda, Cal Lutheran. That's insane. I mean, and then you throw in on top of it all that LSU wanted to hire Tom Herman and Ed Ogeron is, is you know, sloppy seconds in the minds of Texas fans. Well, that puts a chip on the shoulder of Ed Ogeron. I mean, Ogeron wants Texas in the worst way. He had to sit there and wait. He had to hear from Lane Kiffin that Tom Herman was leaning Texas to know if he had a chance to get LSU. I mean, and I got to say, that LSU offense under Joe Brady, the new RPO up-tempo, it couldn't have gone any better for LSU than it did against Georgia Southern. I mean, 23 of 27. Joe Burrow throws to 14 receivers, an LSU record, and he's out by halftime with five touchdown passes. I mean, it could not have gone any better. And for, you know, the Texas defense, that was a serious wake-up call. But Dave Aranda and Todd Orlando run the same stuff. I mean, they even have, you know, Aranda has a 7-DB package, and Orlando has an 8-DB package. Neither quarterback should be surprised by what they see on the field on Saturday night. Is I want to get to the, we'll get to what's on the field in a second. One more for you, Chip. Is the is the Tom Herman Ed Ogeron 2016 thing? Is that playing there in Austin this week? No, but it's playing. It's got to play in Ed Ogeron's mind. I mean, we know how emotional Ogeron is. In fact, a lot of people are wondering if he's going to, you know, stay hands off with that offense if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter and not just say, just run the ball and let's play defense and play for overtime. I mean, uh, it's fascinating that way. But there's no question that you put these two on the field together. I mean, their jobs were announced the same day. As soon as LSU knew Herman was going Texas, they announced Ogeron so that they would not look like they were waiting on Herman. It was obvious. And now you're putting them on the same field together three years later. They're always going to be measured against each other. I mean, LSU fans are going to look at Herman, see how he's doing. And Texas fans are going to look at Ogeron and see how he's doing. And so put them on the same field and go head-to-head this this soon. Yeah, that storyline's going to get, you know, thrown back up. And I don't think it matters to the players at all because the players are about the last five minutes. But it matters to the fan bases, to the big money guys, to the to the bosses. And I think that's why it'll play in the minds of, of Ogeron and Herman, at least until kickoff. Let's go on to the field. Um, I think most people know about Sam Ellinger. He's been there now his third year as the starting quarterback. If there is a weakness on this Texas offense that could show up on Saturday, what is it? They're down to one healthy scholarship running back. I mean, to me, that's why the money is pouring in on LSU. As soon as it became public knowledge that Jordan Whittington, their five-star freshman running back, was out six weeks uh, in need of another sports hernia surgery, I think that's when the money came pouring in on LSU. I mean, it's down to Keontae Ingram, who, who is the starter. So it's not like they're you know, down to their fourth-string running back. They still have the starter. But that means Sam Ellinger is probably going to run it 15 to 20 times. And against a defense this veteran, this salty, this physical, 
I mean, this is an ice tub game to begin with, uh, but that makes Texas fans nervous that they're down to Keontae Ingram and Sam Ellinger as the running game against this LSU defense. So I think that's, that's the weakness. I mean, if anything happens to Keontae Ingram, that, that completely diminishes Texas's chances of winning. Um, you know, if something happens to Sam Ellinger, I think Casey Thompson, the backup, is better than people think. But to throw him into that crucible against LSU in this environment with possibly 30,000 LSU fans in the stadium, it's a lot to ask of anybody. Flip the field, Chip. When Texas's defense tries to limit this LSU offense, which, as you mentioned, is new, but we've only got one game, like, of, of film, where might the liability be for Texas? Against the LSU offense? Yeah. Oh, corner. I mean, Jalen Green at one corner, he, he's an all-conference player. The other corner was a disaster, and that was Kobe Boyce, number 38. He was, he was, an, he was embarrassing. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on kids, but, I mean, he – he thought he had a pass broken up, and he was waving his arms incomplete. The guy had the ball and was running downfield. I mean, I saw that. And then he got a pass <laughs> interference on Adrian Hardy. You know, he grabbed his helmet, palmed it, pulled it back long before the ball got there at the goal line. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be throwing at 38 every time 38 steps on the field. If I'm Texas, I'm starting number five, Deshaun Jameson, who's only five ten. And I'm taking my chances because I think Kobe Boyce is a guy who he needs some more time in the lab. Chip Brown's with us. A couple more. He's on Twitter at ChipBrown247. If it comes down to a kick, Chip, how is Texas in the kicking game? Oh, fantastic. I mean, Cameron Dicker kicked the, the game winner against OU with nine seconds left. That guy's ice cold. And I thought that that would be the difference. I picked Texas preseason to win this game by three simply because LSU lost Cole Tracy. But it looks like they found their own freshman kicker, at least, you know, at home against Georgia Southern. We'll see how it is on the road. But Cameron Dicker is ice water for Texas, and we'll see how the the freshman from LSU is. I know I know this. LSU's punter is way better than Texas's. So there's going to be some interesting special teams dynamics. Uh, last thing for you, Chip, and your time very much appreciated, man. If, if if Tom Herman's putting together the blueprint to win this game on Saturday, what does that blueprint look like if if it's executed perfectly after the game? You, you, you come out and say, okay, that's how it looked. The Texas defense has to, you know, stop LSU on first and second down, get them into third and passing so that they can bring their, their 8-DB package on the field and get after Joe Burrow. Uh, both teams are going to want to do that defensively. And offensively, Texas has to be good on first down. That's where they were money last year when the defense took a step back. Tom Herman is calling the plays against his college teammate, Dave Aranda, from their days at Cal Lutheran. And whoever wins on first down, to me, is going to determine who wins the game. Herman was unbelievable uh, at getting them into their up-tempo offense and being successful on first down so that they didn't face many third and long. They were in third and short and still had the upper hand. Uh, it's another, you know, it's another story going up against 
LSU's defense. We can say whether Georgia wanted to be in the Sugar Bowl or not, Georgia had a talented defense. But this LSU team, we know they want to be on the field in this game. And LSU's got the the more experienced veteran defense. And on paper, that should be the edge for LSU. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. Quick break. We'll come back. You'll learn from ESPN College, ESPN College Game Day's Reese Davis next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. Um, We'll get you an LSU-Texas pick here before we get out, but had the chance to visit with Reese Davis of ESPN's College Game Day, who talked about the scene so far this week in Austin, and also he talked about uh, Ed Ogeron and the difference that he's seen in the Tiger head coach now in year three. But I started by asking him if he misses play-by-play, something he'll do on Saturday night. The short answer to that question is yes. I really enjoyed doing it on Thursday nights, and I'm always happy to get a chance to work with Kirk and Maria and uh, our producer, Bill Bennell, when I get an opportunity to do it, usually uh, once or twice a year. Uh, That being said, I have the best job in television. I mean, (laughs) for me anyway. The way I love college football, being the host of game day is, is something that I don't think there's a better job in TV. Uh, I do miss doing the games. It's fun. I mean, you're in the moment, and you know we all start doing this because we love the games themselves. So it's a great opportunity to get to do both. And and I couldn't have <laughs> I, I couldn't have handpicked a, a better weekend or a better game for this. So I'm extraordinarily grateful to the good people at the U.S. Open who keep <laughs> scheduling it at the same time every year, so I can call LSU Texas. And last year I got to call Clemson and Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, Chris enjoys the tennis, and, and I enjoy watching him do the tennis, and I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy the football even more. So I'm happy I'm happy to get the opportunity. Reese, have you all gotten to Austin yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got in early this morning. Um, I'd already, I didn't go to practice today, Matt, because I, I came down. I made a little bit of a swing during the offseason, or not offseason, during the fall camp, and I went to Texas and spent, spent a day here watching them practice, and I'll meet with coaches and players tomorrow. And I, you may or may not know, I also came to Baton Rouge and spent a day, and I really enjoyed that. So um, I knew I was doing the game, plus I, they were just a couple of teams that I wanted to see uh, up close, and so I sort of made a trip by myself. You know, didn't do any television, just sort of, uh, I think John Bianco, who's the sports information director at Texas, put it best when uh, when Tom Herman was asking, went out, why did you want to come? What did you need? He's like, you just want some contact. So, and Tom was great, and Coach O and everybody at uh, at LSU, Michael Bennett, Scott Woodward, were tremendous as well, and great hosts. And so it was it was a lot of fun. So I feel like I, I know these teams really well, and I'm excited to see them play on Saturday night. I'm going to ask you about your visit with Ed here in just a quick second. But being in Austin, it's amazing to think, Reese, first time in a decade that game day has been on campus in Austin. What's what's the vibe? I mean, I know you said you've only been there just for today so far, but do you get the general yeah. sense of the vibe on campus or around town? 
No, yeah, already. You can sense that people are already talking about it. Uh, I was decked out in uh, in uh, inconspicuous Princeton baseball garb. That's where my son <laughs> plays baseball. Working out in the gym, and I heard these two guys who didn't know, you know, didn't recognize me. I don't know if that's good or bad, but they were talking about, well, one of them actually was explaining what game day was to the other one. And uh, so I, I think that he wasn't a football fan or a visitor. But you can, you can sit there. And, you know, one thing that they've done here, that I'm really looking forward to experiencing is they have made the entire game day, not our show, the day of the game on the 40 acres an experience. They have free concerts, both pre and post. They have food trucks. Typically, I think that starts like three hours before the game. But it's my understanding uh, that they're going to do it like as soon as game day comes to a close. So when we go off the air at 11 o'clock Central Time, I think they are open for business on the LBJ lawn there. And they've just turned it into a great experience. And I think you're going to see, not to veer off past from talking about the game, but I think you're going to see more and more of that in college football because you're starting to see struggles to get people to the stadium. It's hot. It's a difficult drive. There's parking. And by the way, we make it a pretty doggone good experience to stay at home and watch on your 75-inch television mm-hmm. you can see every game. So you have to do something. It's like the old Walt Disney thing. Certainly you want your, your customers or your people, your fans, to have a good experience while they're there. But the number one objective is when they walk out of the gate at the end of the game or the end of the, the day to say, I can't wait to come back. And I think that's, uh, you know, Texas is a little bit ahead of the curve in, in doing some of that type of stuff. So I think it's really going to add to the electricity and atmosphere around the game Saturday night. He is Reese Davis, the host of ESPN's College Game Day, which will be in Austin this week. Also, he'll be on the call for LSU and Texas from Austin. Last thing for you, I, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned about getting a visit with, with Ed Ogeron this week. And obviously the Ogeron-Tom Herman angle from 2016 mm-hmm. is something that People have brought up again this week. So I'm curious from your purview as a guy who gets to talk to all the major coaches in college football, when you talk to Ed Ogeron now in year three of his program, do you notice a difference in Ed today than you did maybe in 2017 when he was just stepping into this role full-time? The easy thing is to say that he's more comfortable, but I think that he really has a good vision of what he wants to do and, and how to get there. You know, when they uh, – I'm drawing – when they lose to Troy, was that his big yep. loss when everybody in, got mad? In 2017, okay, I went, yep. Yeah, I was. I went down after that and spent some time with him, and I really was impressed with the forthright way that he handled that. And I think they've done nothing but grow from that point forward. He he has – you know, bringing in Joe Brady was a, a, a tremendous move so far. Uh, look, I, you can't sit here and go one game against Georgia Southern and say, you know, Joe Brady uh, invented football. I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> saying that, but I think, but I think he's really bright and smart, and it shows that Ed knows what he wants to do, and he has a plan to get there, and he's willing to do something that takes him out of their comfort zone to get there. The other thing that impressed me, I mean, I, I spent time talking to him about things like rugby tackling, how he believes in analytics. How, you know, they, if they bring him something and they can back it up with data, you know, Ed, Ed's on board with it. And I think the cool thing about that is that he is a tough old football guy and he is hard nosed and believes in defensive line play and, and being and out toughing everybody. 
but he also believes in outsmarting people. And I, I was really, I've been really impressed with the way that he has embraced the analytics and the metrics. And we were even uh, joking, Kirk, and I was joking with him the other day about um, about the fourth down chart. And he said, you know, he has some guys who'll tell him what the chart and the analytics say, and the analytics are often very aggressive in terms of trying to go forward on fourth down and trying to score touchdowns and avoid field goals because the analytics show that. You know, obviously, seven, four, and three. I'm not going to try right. to state the obvious there, but it, it is worth taking a chance to attempt to get there instead of taking the safe route and kicking the field goal. But he even joked because I guess that defensive line coach does show up every now and then. He goes, now, occasionally, when they tell me to go for it on fourth down for my own 35, he said, uh, he said you can imagine what I tell him to do with that chart. <laughs> you know, but uh, but he has, he has embraced things like that, and I think it shows just absolutely tremendous growth. And while I've got high regard for Tom Herman, I think this is one of those situations that at least the way it appears right now has worked out pretty well for everybody. I mean, uh, you know, they're both programs are in, in good shape and both, both guys are really comfortable uh, with where they are and the direction they have their program. I right, will wrap up locked on LSU and with a uh, LSU Texas pick here in just a quick second. Got to remind you about no house advantage. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. So instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. So download No House Advantage now from the App Store, use the code Locked On, and receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. Again, use the code Locked On and receive two free tokens when you purchase two. That's No House Advantage. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll knock out our final break and get you a pick of LSU and Texas next. Pick. Getting on down the road here, a Friday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, and so glad to have you with us. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I appreciate that greatly. Like us, rate us on iTunes. All of that is so very helpful, so thank you to everyone who's helped us grow. Um, give you a pick here of LSU and Texas. I do think it's LSU's day, uh, but I do think it's a closer game than a lot of LSU fans might have uh, hyped themselves into thinking here. Uh, I think Vegas had the number right the first time when they had it around a field goal game. I I have a tremendous amount of respect for going on the road. I have a tremendous amount of respect for going on the road and facing a veteran quarterback and going on the road facing a a veteran quarterback uh, who's coached by a a coach who has made his name largely – with his success as an underdog, as we've talked about plenty with Tom Herman. Um, I think this is a difficult game for LSU, just like a year ago. I think LSU was better than Florida. But you go on the road, you turn the ball over three times, and you get beat. Um, Similar to the Texas A&M game. Uh, I think LSU was a better team and should never have even been in the situation late in the game that they were in against Texas A&M. But sometimes things like that on the road can happen. So, I um I think LSU wins 31-27. Texas's weakest link, as you heard Chip Brown say earlier, they're outside corners. I think LSU has a distinct advantage if they can keep Joe Burrow upright. I think they do. And red zone touchdowns are the difference. LSU's ability to get the ball into the end zone when they get into the red area and not settle for field goals, that's the difference in this ballgame. I like LSU 31-27 over Texas on Saturday night. And if LSU does, in fact, prevail, they will have a month to relax with Northwestern State and Utah State and uh, 
a trip to Vanderbilt before you get an open date, and then you get into the meat of uh, of October. But here's open LSU goes and takes care of business Saturday night in Austin, and we will be back right here on Monday recapping all of it on Locked on LSU, your team every day.